Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> Another edition of the Fantasy Authority Podcast. We are back again. You know, we said that uh, the last time we spoke that we were going to take a break after uh, what our 2019 fantasy uh, fantasy review show we did about three week three weeks ago, a month ago, uh, before the Kansas City Chiefs became Super Bowl champions. And uh, but we're back again, and we have a very special guest on today. I um, actually used to, uh, you know, kind of uh, came up with TFA, and then now has spread his wings to a much bigger and better things. Uh, we have Travis May on today from uh, Rotoviz, and also does a Dynasty Command podcast. Uh, how you doing today, Travis? Doing great. Great to be back. I, I feel like there was a game this week or something. I, I I'm actually surprised you're you're coherent and and still, you know. Good to go after that. I mean, you've been waiting your entire life for that game to happen. So congratulations again, because that's got to be incredible. I've been waiting my entire life almost for the Titans to to do something. And they almost did and could have, except for your Chiefs. But whatever, I'm I'm totally not bitter about it. Well, I mean, that's what the Chiefs do. The, the Chiefs aren't actually start playing until they're down by at least 10 points. So yeah, uh, and then they turn it the off. The trick is to never get up by 10 points and you'll probably win. There you go. See, they would have kept it a little closer, you know, maybe never would have, you know, yeah. maybe they would be playing. They would have played in the Super Bowl. So it was amazing. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I've been talking to people I work with about how, you know, it's, it's unfair that, you know, like my son who is eight, uh, you know, gets to witness this so soon where I have had to go through the horrible ups and downs of being a Chiefs fan and getting kicked out of the playoffs multiple times by 
the craziest stuff. Even by your Titans, Marcus Mariota catching his own uh, his own deflection and taking it into the end zone. <laughs> Which you got to admit, that was hilarious. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm sure you weren't laughing in that moment, but oh my gosh. No, That's I just... was not at all. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and so when we had to play the Titans again, like uh, I think all of uh, the Chiefs fans here in Kansas City were nervous because, uh, you know, the Titans seems to have had our number the last couple of years. Even this year when you guys came back and beat us in Tennessee. Yeah. In your house. or Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It, it was fun. It's awesome. The uh, the parade is tomorrow. Uh, I'm not going. Uh, it's supposed to be like 30 and snow tomorrow. Whoa. So okay, yeah. But uh, everyone else is, and there's, they're expecting like 1.6 million people there. That's a few. Anyways, I guess we should also introduce uh, our, my uh, co-host, uh, good old hashtag Hedgelife Cody Kutzer. Uh, how you doing tonight, Cody? Doing well, man. Uh, the break was nice. It was nice to take that little hiatus and. Now it's uh, now it's on to the dynasty season, and the combine is just a couple weeks away. It's wild. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is like a porn Pornhub season for uh, all you dynasty people out here. Uh, as we get <laughs> whoa, <laughs> right? I mean, I mean it's getting all excited now, and uh, the pod. You know, with uh, this is your guys' time to shine, and uh, you know the redraft DFS guys sit down, and it's time for the dynasty people to stand up and have their moment, right? Yeah, this is this is the beginning of our season. Like this is the busiest time ever in terms of writing and podcasting and everything that I do throughout the year. Like I got like during during the year, I'm I'm doing like two weekly pieces in a podcast. Okay, that's fine. But during the off season, there there are windows of time where I'm like basically writing the equivalent of probably five articles to hit deadlines for different magazine releases and things like that, and then also doing three or four guest spots and whatever. It's that just uh, this this time is my favorite time. But man, it it, <laughs> it is most certainly busy. This is your grind. This is your grind season now. Uh, that's that's for sure. And it's also really because it's, you know, we get to do all this work, and then uh, the combine is going to come along, and for some reason, people are going to lose their minds and just completely flip all their rankings around happens every year for no reason Um, yeah 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 especially when it comes to like wide receiver like if you look at the like how sticky any individual test is in terms of you know being able to mean anything and and their hit rate it's it's pretty gross but still people like the 40 inch verticals and the whatever agility tests happen and especially uh the 40 yard dash people tend to like that okay but uh you know we've got a couple more weeks before people freak out yeah so that's that's kind of what we're doing uh, uh most most years we do a uh we actually do it after uh post combine usually um and we usually have actually yeah travis you've been on this one uh every, every time we do it uh so i think the last time we you were on we did tight ends and you were uh teaching us all about all these uh tight ends that we've never heard of and uh it was a lot of fun we could do that too i mean there's like 11 guys i'd be excited to talk about if we want to do that after running backs but maybe maybe, maybe another time Time. yeah you love tight you love the tight end that was a uh, dallas goddard year yeah oh yeah so but anyways tonight we're gonna be talking about the rookie running backs to start uh kind of the uh the one that everybody loves the most uh the position of um where you know uh, people take high in their rookie drafts and uh now and even redraft has bled over to where we're starting to see these guys go higher and higher and higher and higher every single year yeah i don't think this year is going to be any different so i know uh pre um you know when everybody started really declaring for the draft you know there was a lot of guys that people were really super excited about some of them will not that you know did not decided to return back to school but with this class uh, there's kind of that top five, I feel like, and then there's kind of the, the little bit of a drop off, and then there's the the next group. Um, I'm, I've seen a lot of different people um, and, and their rankings and where they're kind of putting players, and there, there's a lot of guys that seem to be different on a lot of different players. But it seems to me, at least the majority, all have either Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift. 
you know, one, two, or, you know, whichever way you want to look at it, or maybe a couple of the uh, other guys there. But for you guys, who who is your RB1 right now? For, uh, for me, uh, there's there's definitely a tier of three that kind of feel like they're in their own little zone right now. Uh, and I could go uh, any way, I feel like, with uh, the top three. Uh, for me, there's uh, DeAndre Swift and John- Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins, all check boxes in different ways. But right now, I think DeAndre Swift is it what whether the uh, production metrics point towards uh, him being the number one overall running back or not uh, that's where i'm planting my flag uh, pre-combine but i i am excited to see what jonathan taylor and jk dobbins do at the combine because I, I think that they're going to impress uh in, in in just about every way yeah it's uh it's swift for me of one uh as well for right now and I, outside of him having a mediocre to awful landing spot and somebody else having a, a great landing spot i i don't foresee that changing too much but these top three four five guys it's it's really fluid and then you have somebody like cam Akers who probably gonna do pretty well at the combine as well and then the the one year wonder coming out with uh clyde edwards hilaire that seems to be the the top five and i think were those the only five that were taken in your um twitter poll mock uh travis there was did anybody um, else slide in there at the end? Yeah, no, actually. So, and and just for uh, the people that aren't aware of uh, the nerdy thing that I do every year on Twitter, I uh, basically run polls based off of. Uh, I, I try to pull in data like from I scrape most of the internet to find uh, what real NFL draft people are saying about where these players will be taken to assess uh, you know the the draft capital projected for these players. And then I basically use a collective uh, rankings pool from uh, I try to get about 20 different experts that I kind of have uh, access to. And then I, I kind of pull in players four at a time, you know, uh, for to be pulled on Twitter and then uh, uh, try to get some results to kind of gauge some kind of consensus uh, every single year. I try to do that in January and then again, even after the combine sometimes and then after the draft. But uh, Zach Moss did uh, come in there and uh, make it in. That's right. And then Eno Benjamin and uh, Keyshawn Vaughn actually snuck in uh, as well uh, in, as the last pick. So we actually had six, let's see here, five, six, seven, eight, eight running backs all in all that, that made it inside of the, the top two rounds of uh, standard rookie drafts, top 24 picks. So, I mean, going through some of these guys, um, you know, we've with Jonathan Taylor, I think a lot of people have kind of made a big deal about his workload that he that he received in, you know especially in what just three years of college but um what he ended up with 926 total carries um in his three seasons um put up you know monster production but there seems to be some people out there that that are concerned with that and his workload and you know is he gonna wear down much much quicker than a lot of these other guys something we saw from like a david johnson uh who also you know as somebody who received a ton of touches while he was in college in Northern Iowa. Um, is that anything that you're taking into consideration whenever, you know, you're going to be going into rookie, uh, your rookie draft? You know, I'm not, I'm not super concerned with the, uh, the carry total uh, with Jonathan Taylor. You know, I, I think, yeah, eventually everyone has a finite number of carries, but he's still a young back and most of the running backs, we're not really expecting their shelf life to kind of stay, uh, and give us this prime window of production more than four or five years as is. Uh, and when you look at players like like Derrick Henry and a, a few other exceptions like like him who had crazy carry totals, especially in their final seasons. I mean, Henry had like 400 carries uh, when he was when he was uh, 
uh, still at Alabama and just his, his last season. Uh, and, and before that, I mean, every year in high school, he had over 300 carries. Uh, so he had like 1200 carries before he even got to college because <laughs> he just was ran into the ground. And so, you know, there was, there was an argument even back then about Derrick Henry having a bunch of uh, tread ran off his tires, but I, I don't think there's, there's much to worry about when we're talking about a, a position with such a, a short shelf life uh, as, as the running back position is. And just how, that's just how the NFL is. And if he gets injured, he, he gets injured, but I'm not going to point to um, his carry total. If that happens. Yeah, I think something that gets blown out of proportion in dynasty leagues to begin with is like you draft guys and for some reason people are like, oh man, Jonathan Taylor, eight years, man, got him as a rookie. Like if you're looking at holding a player for that long, like you're either in a super inactive league or you're playing with nobody else. Because like there's, dude, there's leagues that I've had from, you know, at the end of year one where I have four or five guys that I've, you know, what I mean that I that I initially drafted. So I think it's something that gets blown out of proportion. And like Travis said, if you're basically looking to get production out of their first contract anyway, like that's something like even like the NFL seems to be going toward where I think a lot of these bigger contracts are gonna they're they're gonna pull back. You know, I mean, your Todd Gurley's he gets paid all that money, and then a year later turns to turns to dust. So um, I would not be worried either. And I people that are looking at that as far as you know worrying when the wheels are going to fall off. Maybe if you're completely rebuilding, you know what I mean? You shy away from somebody like that and you look more toward a, a wide receiver anyway. But if you're, if you're anywhere near competing, that's not something I would be, I'd be too worried about. Yeah. I mean, we always have to pick and be super picky anyway. Same with everything that yeah. with these guys. But. Yeah. And that's a question that comes in from like, you know, we're just trying to find something that differentiates these guys, but, but realistically, I'm not, not super worried about it. So with this year's class, uh, I mean, I, maybe it's just, you know, being on fantasy Twitter uh, and seeing, you know, a lot of people talking about these guys for most of the season. But it feels like that this class is a little bit more hype than what last year's was. Um, do you guys think this class could even be could, could be as good as we saw a couple of years ago with the Christian McCaffrey class? Whew, man, I think the very top of it um, could be close, but I don't I don't necessarily think it's going to be um that level of a lead i'm not expecting uh really any of these guys to just uh reach christian mccaffrey levels uh i think anytime you expect somebody to kind of come in and be the best back in the league like the saquon barkley there's there's no saquon barkley and there's nobody that i would say uh, is, is like the christian mccaffrey that that does everything um to the level of the extreme that he does but i think it's a bunch of guys that could be back in running back ones you know top 24 backs for uh, you know their entire rookie contracts that kind of that kind of level of player uh i think there would have been more hype about that and potential in having maybe one or two extra backs uh doing that had a few names not gone back to school uh right before the the deadline because uh, this this class the depth definitely suffered uh, suffered after a few guys chose to go back i mean there's still going to be probably 18 to 20 backs drafted but it could have been the very top that could have been really solid eight, nine, ten backs. Um, but uh, we're, we're gonna have to wait one more year on, on just a few guys. Travis, if um, if one of these top like two, three running backs lands in the the two spots everyone keeps talking about is like Kansas City and Tampa Bay. Do you see any of these rookie running backs like making their way into uh, like the first round of startup drafts at all? Like uh, like a Barkley or like a Zeke whenever they came out. 
Yeah, I think just because I'm not sure that the the, the absolute consensus on the, the talent on any of these guys is so um, clear uh, and above uh, like Saquon was and like like Zeke was after the hype of his the playoff run and all that. Um, I don't think it's quite there, uh, but Kansas City is obviously we love that because of the, the touchdown upside and um, and what we've seen you know undrafted guys do and you know lower level guys do in that role. Uh, in terms of draft capital um, coming in and just exploding. Obviously, case, Kansas City right now is going to be the the hot spot. So I think that they could be like a second-round uh, startup pick um, for sure. I think, in fact, there's probably a chance that all three of the backs, depending on landing spot, could end up as uh, second-round startup picks. But I'm not sure any of them would, would creep into the first round for me, even uh, on Kansas City. You know, I think it's funny with the Kansas City – uh, I don't honestly think if they draft a running back, I think it's going to be super late. Like, I don't think that they're going to yeah. be a team. Like, they still have Damian Williams, who's under another year, and it's a very cheap contract. And so it's not like they're paying him anything or they're going to have to get out from under that deal. They still have Darwin Thompson. Um, I like. I think if they draft anybody, it's going to be late. It's going to be fifth, sixth, seventh round type thing, or maybe an undrafted guy they bring in. I just do not see them going out and spending an earlier pick on, on a running back. I know there's people that have no. talked about like the Chiefs trading up and getting like DeAndre Swift or something. Like it's not happening. Like that's just not. No, they, they, yeah, they, no they I have no need for that. I agree. I agree. I, I don't think it's going to happen. But if it did, if they did grab somebody in in day two, and uh, you know got one of those three inside the top fifty picks or whatever, that would be a crazy good looking spot for sure. But yeah, I I, I definitely think that there's probably four or five other teams that still have great opportunity uh, painted painted on them right now, and, and probably uh, would select a back potentially earlier than Kansas City will. I'm not really sure there's a as much of a lock as there were like you know last year with the Raiders going Josh Jacobs. Like I feel like everyone made that pick. I don't know three months before the draft, and I don't think that there's like that obvious kind of fit an obvious need and obvious tendency to draft that back early um, like there is usually, but uh, there, there's some other teams like I, I think more, more so more than more likely uh, than Kansas city. I think Miami, uh, they probably have uh, a need to fill there. Uh, obviously uh, I don't really will trust any of the backs that they have there. And they obviously shipped off Kenyon Drake. Uh, so they're, Probably not going to – I think even though he's under restricted free agent, I don't think they're going to bring Kenny and Drake right back. Uh, so I, I definitely think that that would be a lot of fun. And if you pair that with their new rookie quarterback and let's just say Tua Tungabailoa, uh, that could be interesting pretty early on. I think there would be some hype surrounding a back in that situation. Or even, you know, Houston or – you know, Atlanta, some other guys too, other places. I actually think Atlanta one is pretty interesting. Um, I think they are a team that could definitely take a running back here. Uh, Devonta Freeman's getting older. I think they, they try to get out from under that contract. Um, oh, yeah. You know, maybe, I don't know, maybe, they, maybe they're the team at 16 that takes DeAndre Swift and, uh, you know, uh, keeps them in-house, keeps them in-state, if you will, um, you know, to go with that offense because that offense is not getting any younger and, you know, their, their, their window is certainly closing. Uh, though I guess you could make an argument that they probably definitely need defense more than they do, you know, a running back. But I do think Atlanta yeah. is an interesting spot. Yeah, they have the the two first-round picks on the offensive line from last year, and that offensive line just had a, a bunch of injuries. So that that is one of the, like, a low-key spot that, that I really like as well. 
Yeah, and I think the Texans, I mean, if you've got Deshaun Watson and uh, about four good wide receivers to kind of empty out the box and they're running out of 11 personnel, and, you know, could could be looking at a situation that's way more uh, highly efficient than it has been in, in previous years. Uh, <laughs> looking yeah. at like Carlos Hyde. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and even, you know, Duke Johnson or whatever else you want to throw in there that uh, I think any of the backs that go to Houston in the first three rounds uh, would immediately be uh, given the reins uh, to start there. Uh, and obviously even like with the 49ers, there's talk of, you know, what if they bring somebody else in? Cause McKinnon's dead. Colvin Coleman's not really been a thing. Mostert. I mean, he's been a great story, but do they just give him the reins and say, Hey, do it again. <laughs> I know that you didn't do it ever before this year, but catch lightning in a bottle twice. Uh, the, I mean, go, the Texans broke my heart when they, when, you know, with Damari Crockett. Like, I was just praying that they would give him the opportunity. And I was like, come on, do it, Houston. And then they cut him, and I was like, pouring out for the homie. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Because there was, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of uh, positive reports coming out about him through training camp and then through the preseason and everything else. So it sounded like he was, he was going to make the team, and then. Just disappointing. I mean, I was a fan even for, like, Debbie purposes for a while because he burst onto the scene as what a true freshman with over over a thousand yards right away. He didn't really have many catches that year, but I mean, he he burst onto the scene. It looked like he was going to be the real deal. Uh, obviously, he struggled with some injury. I mean, you're you're familiar with his story, but yeah, that that would have been fun to see him hit. And then the other th- a couple spots uh, though, I, I was interested in just to see what happens. Like Royce Freeman and you know Philip Lindsay aren't exactly wowing for the Broncos. They're super cheap, really. I guess as far as running back contracts go. Um, but I, f- I feel like they, they could easily upgrade with probably five backs in this class, maybe six uh, over what they're doing. And then Tennessee, my, my, my Titans, like if they don't sign Henry, uh, because he's probably going to be asking for some money to clarify. He's not, it, there, there's a bunch of blurbs out there saying, you know, Zeke's contract is the floor for Derrick Henry. That's that, that was kind of not, that's not really the whole story, but he's, he's going to, he's going to be expensive to bring back. And obviously the fans would probably riot if they didn't bring Derrick Henry back, but they're probably going to draft somebody to pair with him too, because Deion Lewis is just not getting it done uh, and hasn't <laughs> ever since he's gotten here. Uh, so that would be an interesting spot if Henry departs. And even if he doesn't, uh, if they if they bring in some kind of pass catching back to have more of a role, that would probably be an interesting spot. Uh if nothing else to, to be in kind of a perfect handcuff situation for like a ridiculous feature workload. Uh, if the time came that Henry missed any, any games. Yeah. And I think something else that we're going to have to monitor here is, uh, is going to be all of the, you know, veterans in the league that are going to be moving around because you have Kareem yeah. Hunt, who's a restricted free agent. You have Le'Veon Bell, who sounds like he could be out there, you know, where, where they're, they're probably going to be looking to trade him. I mean, they tried to right before the trade deadline and then just Adam Gase is the worst coach ever. And, you know, um, they don't seem to be getting along. You have David Johnson and what's going on with that situation where he's likely going to get moved. So, I mean, there's a lot of veteran running backs as well that uh, Melvin Gordon, that I um, he's going to be a free agent. So I think there's going to be, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of movement here to kind of, you know, to kind of watch before the, the NFL draft and kind of where some of these spots are going to get taken. I think some other ones are going to get opened up. Like the Jets could be a spot where they're definitely looking for a running back if they decide to move on from Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, yeah, and then we we get caught in this rookie mode and forget that oh, there's other guys still going to be fighting for their jobs. So yeah, there's still a lot to uh, to look at 
with that as well. But I mean, there's just not, and there's only a finite number of jobs. I mean, like even, even all the stuff that we just talked about, I mean, we talked about Kansas city, you know, we didn't even really mention kind of mention it in passing like Tampa Bay, Miami, Houston, Atlanta, San Francisco, Denver, and Tennessee. If all eight of those spots are actually legitimately wide open, like what does that mean for this class? You know, I mean, there's not going to be more than eight jobs available. And realistically, it's probably more like five, maybe maybe six uh, at, at, at most. And it's probably less. Uh, and, and even the Tampa Bay situation, that's not even like, I know people like that, the, the situation. I, and, and just in theory, all, all you got to do is pass Rojo and Peyton Barber. But like that's not that's not even a given, <laughs> uh, given what they they've done with the uh, backs that they've drafted. They're not even really given the reins until they earn it. They get the yips in practice. That they they get benched for an entire season. A lot still up in the air. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's 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 going to be an interesting year. I think that um, kind of monitoring everything and seeing how things shake out because it's easy to kind of look at things and. Um, get excited right now because we're so early in the process. But, you know, I think the biggest indicator of everything and of what you should think of anybody is going to be the draft. And um, I think I think one thing that tends to happen is because we spend so much time breaking these players down, looking into them, watching their film, you know, seeing, you know, looking at their advanced metrics and everything else, where we kind of can get in ourselves into a little bit of trouble with some take lock, and we don't kind of reevaluate once the draft happens, and we just will stick with our whatever we think, despite the fact that maybe somebody's in a bad spot, and we think that oh well, I love DeAndre Swift, but he maybe went to a bad spot, or maybe he's in a, a Midi, kind of like Miles Sanders was this year. And instead of kind of recalibrating what you think, you just kind of stick with it. Or there was a later round guy that you loved, similar to like what happened with Jeremy McNichols three or four years ago, where the whole Dynasty Twitter loved some Jeremy McNichols and everybody was all about him. And he ended up, what, going undrafted. So I, I think some of that too goes a long way as well, where I'm um, trying not to get caught up in some. Uh, recency by our take lock hey mcnichols was on the titans in, in preseason this year so still got a chance right no not really but <laughs> great example there i mean, i think he was like I mean, he might have been like a fifth rounder maybe or something i don't know no, definitely wasn't what uh, everyone thought he was going to be pre-draft so yeah take lock is a dangerous thing but this this time of year there's so much more information that we still have to kind of gather with uh, the, the combine and um, and with the draft because the draft capital smooths, moves, <laughs> that, that smooths everything out. Uh, that, that teaches us all we really need to know about what the NFL has to think about them. But I think right now establishing a base, like we were talking about before uh, we went live, I mean, it's just establishing that base value for where these players probably should be given what we know right now uh, helps us control our overreactions when it gets to the combine in a few weeks. And uh, we don't, it, it causes us to, you know, not reset our entire board when we get like two or three more tiny pieces of information, uh, you know, when it gets to the NFL combine, but I, I'm still looking forward to it. I, I want to learn more, but, but uh, yeah, there's, there's some clear top options in this class and, uh, Speaking and then there's of the combine, uh, a wait, gap. Wait, so for people who may not grind this much, or maybe people that are new to dynasty or whatever, whenever they're watching the combine, I know it's easy to get caught up in their 40 times. And that kind of is always the, the sexy, uh, thing that everybody looks forward to. But what are some other, some other, uh, parts of the combine that people should really be paying attention to in regards to the running back position that matter far more than just 40 times. I mean, I, 
it's the whole package. I think people just look at the the forty time and in actually in our um, our DCC and and Rotoviz uh, rookie guy this year, uh, we we did uh, some some intense breakdowns of uh, kind of positional uh, looks and things. And uh, Blair Andrews did some some work in in, in uh, looking into draft round and the forty time and uh, kind of how the forty is actually that really does if you look at actual production in, in the NFL for players that um, you know are drafted and, and run a four five 40 or faster um, like how they they well how they produce versus slower running backs uh, really that it's kind of a wash in the early rounds like speed doesn't almost mean anything like yeah you need to be like a, a faster than you know a four seven but like once you get into late, the later rounds you look at you know fourth round fifth round guys that are reached for because they had a four, four, something 40, those guys don't pan out at the same rate as the Kareem hunts do. Uh, and, and, and even the Jeremy Hills do and like round, round three, uh, those slower guys that are just actually better at the position. Um, they might not have wowed in the 40 yard dash, but they can actually read, uh, an offensive line and, and, and hit the gaps, uh, more efficiently than those just speedsters. So I think the 40 really, Outside of just being a, a threshold exercise, making sure the guy runs faster than four, six, eight, or something really bad, which I think that's exactly what Jeremy Hill ran. By the way, I know I know you used to love him back in the day. Pulling but, the heartstrings there. <laughs> well, he, he, yeah, he was good for a while. But besides just being a threshold exercise, I mean, you, you got to look at the the broad jump and and the vertical jump just to kind of weigh in at like a, a burst score and kind of understand. Uh, how sudden a player can be. It's more than just that, that straight line speed. And, and really I, I do look at the cones. I, you know, I don't get sucked up into that. Like with the Dalvin cooks, like if it shows up on film, uh, but it doesn't show up just on one or two reps on draft on, on the combine day, I don't completely throw out everything I know about a player. I think I just take it, take it in stride a uh, one test at a time and kind of piece the jumps together, piece the agility scores together and uh, watch for a threshold at the uh, the 40 anything four or five or, or or faster is just incredible and people people i think want to see like four four something but they kind of forget that the average running back at the nfl combine i mean that they, they hit around four five seven so i think just going in with proper expectations and an understanding of what even is 50th percentile at each test can really help you prepare and uh, kind of sift through the noise in a way that not many people are yeah, Charles, I don't know how much this information has changed, but uh, I remember you did a uh, a podcast last year for the Dynasty Command Center that was just going over, just like you were talking about thresholds and averages. Um, and for the people that are listening now, it was episode eight of the uh, Dynasty Command Center. It was going over that stuff. Man, I don't um, even know this. You got this in front of you? <laughs> <laughs> like I said, there was just one that stuck with me, yeah. and I have it uh, saved in my in my podcast. Nice. I was like, man, I know I have that somewhere. So yeah, it was episode eight. Who doesn't want to jump in? I have to go back and listen just to make sure I'm not putting <laughs> <laughs> the wrong the, averages. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much I would have, you know, like thresholds and averages would have changed, but that was nah. uh, that was something that that I that I listened to and kind of kept track of and tried to. You know, keep keep those numbers in mind when I was watching it. Except yeah, I, for uh, Devin Singletary, he don't care. No, he doesn't care. He's like, hey, I'm like five seven and 
and don't hit any threshold that you want me right. to and i'm still going to be successful it's fine but he was yeah. you know his production metrics were stupid though he was like hey i'm going to score 60 touchdowns in two years it's fine it, it's normal yeah but, he's, uh, he's one of those ones where if you were just basing it off the combine that he's does not look good but if you just put on you know if you hashtag watch the tape he was someone who the those numbers just didn't match up you know what i mean like he he didn't play like a what was he four six six and like a seven something three cone? Yeah, it was bad. Actually, I pulled up the really I, I just now that I used for that episode, and uh, the only thing where he was even remotely close to average was his vertical jump. I think he was like right around the fiftieth percentile for vertical jump. <laughs> Everything else, like he was bottom quartile easy for the most part. So, so you can, I mean, and you don't have to scrape SportsReference.com with all the combine data dating back to to the year 2000 like i did but you know there's there's information that's out there to be had so just kind of arming yourself with the, with the right information can definitely uh, help out and uh, help you kind of properly gauge expectations and and limit uh overreactions all right so looking at some of these uh, some of the other guys i mean you know, we've kind of hit on some of these guys already now tell me if i'm crazy here because when i was watching cam Akers. Something about him, maybe I'm, I'm I'm way off on this in terms of like a player comp, but he sort of reminded me of Aaron Jones. Is that way off on, on what he what he could be? Uh, no, I think you know, and he's he's even bigger, really. I think I think he's going to weigh in bigger than than Aaron Jones did, uh, but I think he could definitely fit in that type of role. And and, and I think looking back to Aaron Jones and his uh, college experience, it's not the exact same. But I don't know if you're if you're familiar with UTEP and how awful of a program that is. Uh, Aaron Jones had literally nothing else around him uh, that that even would promote any reason for him to have success while he was in college uh, and at UTEP. I mean, they're a team that you know for a while they were barely even winning a couple games a year. Uh, but he had like a 1600 yard season or something crazy. Can't remember what it was. Which year he kind of got hurt some in college, but wasn't always it wasn't the perfect production profile you want to see and cam Akers definitely doesn't have the perfect production profile he's his efficiency actually got worse as he went along uh, but it was obviously due to the uh, offensive line and kind of pieces around him too i I could see that uh being some kind of similar profile Uh, aaron jones just didn't get the the florida state bump uh, and he didn't have the the five-star pedigree that Akers did coming into college but um I think Akers could settle into that mid-round pick and be that third-round selection. I know Aaron Jones is like a fourth or fifth round, I think fifth round. But, yeah, I, I like that as a comp just from uh, ferocity of play style and, uh, and a, a ability to kind of hit the gap uh, the way they do. Yeah, I just when I was sitting there watching him, it just kind of struck me a little bit. Uh, I was like, you know, I don't know. Something about this uh, reminded me of Aaron Jones, and I'm a Aaron Jones truther. So, um, Yeah, as you should be, as, as everyone should be. I know. I mean, I, I can never like two it. years ago. Yeah. Um, so let, let's let's get past these top five. I think you know we kind of. I mean, I think I think it's all. I mean, I think pretty much everybody who you know is doing anything dynasty knows who uh, these guys are. Let's get into some of the little bit more of the unknowns a little bit. You know, you have guys like Zach Moss, Keyshawn Vaughn. There's a, there's another guy though. As I was kind of going through and kind of digging into stuff, AJ Dillon from Boston College. He seems to be somebody that is rising up. Um, for people right now, and he's kind of a, um, you know, looking at some of his numbers, what he's 6'1", 240, 250 in that range. I think when I was going back and looking at his 
Um, what he what he did with, when coming out of college, I think he ran like a four five and um, had a thirty eight uh, inch uh, broad j- or what was it? But anyways, um, but thirty eight inch broad jump would not be very good. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't think I actually wrote it down what what it was. I, no, it was it was a, yeah. He had like an almost forty inch vert, and he yeah he ran like a four five forty coming out of high school uh, at, at a ridiculous size. He was almost two forty um, at age seventeen. <laughs> which is just kind of bizarre and a little bit uh, weird. He was a little bowling ball uh, at first, but he grew into his body. That's for sure at uh, Boston college, but really a strange production profile in Debbie circles. He was, he was one of those guys that popped early. A lot of people were taking him early in, in Debbie drafts and, you know, and, and even in college football leagues, people were just eating it up. But how do you, how do you have 300 rush attempts and zero receptions? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that was what he did his, his first year of college. He had 300 carries and zero catches. It's just, uh, he's not going to really, I mean, in all of college, he, I think he caught 21, 22 balls. And so he's, he's going to be like that, that Brandon Jacobs, that Derrick Henry type mold where well, really just Derrick Henry. Like he, he's a, a huge guy. He's not as tall, but he's a straight line monster. Um, that can just annihilate any defensive back for the most part and annihilate. He's, he's as big as a, a modern NFL linebacker. I mean, even like really 6'1", 240, you, you're looking at a modern-day middle linebacker. So uh, I definitely like him as a runner. Uh, I just I, – I see him as a, uh, you know, a player like uh, – like like if, you know, like, like your your boy Jeremy Hill, like if he was actually athletic in any way, like that that's uh, who A.J. Dillon would be. <laughs> oh man I, I, hey you know what he is a super bowl champion all right so you walk i knew that was i saw that one coming a mile away so you walked right into it jeremy Hill uh, and Josh Gordon, both super bowl champs so yeah yeah so is legarrett blunt and uh yeah that is true uh, i actually you know is legarrett blunt actually a decent comp for aj Dillon? because I, I have seen people using legarrett blunt as a comp for him yeah, if if Legarrette Blunt was athletic too, yeah. <laughs> All right then. But, okay. Yeah. So, it's, so what you're saying is you think AJ Dillon's just going to be a between the tackles grinder? That's basically. I what think so. Uh, you know, I think he could even have that late round tag to him too. I think when you uh, look at where he's going in most mocks, he's he's a day three guy, uh, and so in that regard, he's got the crazy speed, almost like, I guess, you know, maybe like a Latavius Murray in that, in that regard. Cause like Murray's got the feature back size and he had big straight line speed, but he basically had nothing else going for him uh, for a long while. So maybe he kind of figures it out. Um, a la Latavius Murray at some point and gets some kind of opportunity and uh, earns himself a, a second contract somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, I'm not a, a, as big a fan of uh, the between the tackles grinder uh, these days. No, because yeah. uh, it's PPR life. So, yep, exactly. And that's why AJ Dillon's like he's probably a, a third round rookie pick for a lot of people, even though he has, I guess, kind of been rising back somewhat. Uh, yeah, he's probably a third round rookie pick in most dynasty drafts. But uh, it's still, I mean, just the the monster that he is is just. Oh, he's a lot of fun to watch run, just like Derrick Henry is, uh, just because he just levels people. Another guy that kind of um, is a little – I mean, he he's definitely was used far more as a pass catcher, but P. Ryan from Florida. Kind of watching him, um, I kind of felt like, 
you know, he doesn't really look like a guy that's that's a typical burner, but I think he does have enough burst and short area quickness to kind of get himself into space. And I, he had what seventy eight missed tackles in college. He's somebody also that didn't was never really given a huge workload. Never really had like a monster year. I believe I think the most rushing yards he had in a year was I think eight hundred. I know he ended up with I think four hundred ninety three attempts and twenty four hundred yards. But he did have forty receptions this past year. This was his first year. He kind of um, they really tried to use him as a pass catcher. Before this, I think he only had. 32 um the other three years so um is he so what is your thoughts on him and where do you see him going yeah some people have him uh kind of round four ish round five ish and that that feels probably about right uh i think he's probably that back that uh he had the the recruiting pedigree he's big enough he's fast enough uh, but he's gonna really profile i think when it's all said and done it's like a um a just above average athlete that really kind of probably slides in as a, as a career backup. He might even get like a second contract as a backup somewhere because he's going to look good in practice and catch passes well enough to kind of stick somewhere. Uh, but I, it's not somebody that I'm really spending even, you know, third round rookie capital on. It's like somebody that uh, I, I might target later, late, late in, in rookie drafts, but I don't think he's going to have the capital or any extreme portion of his profile that, that, makes me think, oh, that, that guy's going to be a starter and he's going to be a contributor and he's going to be a top 24 running back uh, for a long time for fantasy football leagues. And yeah, he did catch 40 balls, but he was super in- inefficient with with those balls. I, I think he had like six, I mean, I want to say it was six or seven yards uh, per reception or something on those, those 40 catches. So it's not like he was blowing us away and, and scoring a bunch of receiving touchdowns. It was a bunch of checkdowns for the most part, just getting a bunch of uh, panic stuff while Kyle Trask just kind of had to figure out uh, the offense. And Kyle Trask looked uh, better as the year went on, but he, P. Ryan was that that Mr. Checkdown uh, back that just didn't do much with the opportunity. I would love, I would have loved for him to do more with those those receptions. Yeah, he's somebody who he had what, was, yeah five receiving touchdowns. Yeah, his yeah. to me his his tape was was inconsistent. He showed like flashes of like oh okay he can do that well, and then the next game it was well that looked awful. So like he was just like there was never one game where I watched that it seemed like super complete. Um, so if you're looking to draft him, he's more of like a I hope he lands in a shallow depth chart kind of guy. You know, what I mean, maybe he can maybe he can pop here or there. I'm just I'm just uh, he was basically just splitting time like his whole career. Um, you know, even with guys like Jordan Scarlett, who's undrafted free agent type, and uh, before that, I mean. He was, you know, splitting carries with Malik Davis that got benched this year, and like Mark Thompson, like no nobodies that that just aren't really going to do anything ever in the NFL. So I'm not sure that he's ever going to push his way up through an NFL depth chart, and that's that's my only concern with P. Ryan. So you, you think maybe more the likely ceiling is probably like a Spencer Ware type? Might yeah, like some opportunities, but he's not ever going to be anybody that's going to have like a real big impact on a team. Yeah, like if if he was a, a handcuff to somebody and and they went down, he could have a productive streak for six to eight weeks, and then people would think about trading him for a rookie second round pick, and then he would disappear the next season. But that's probably my my ceiling of expectations for a, a, a Michael P. Ryan. Do you know what his uh, Do you know what his forty yard dash was from the uh, from the opening, Travis? Uh, I was probably like four, six, five or something. Uh, four, eight, seven. <laughs> Ooh, man, that's really bad. Like that's uh, a 27, okay. uh, 27 inch vert as well. 
Yeah. So, you know, he was one of those guys who actually, and probably until he went to one of those, uh, those testing kind of camps, uh, was, was actually recruited pretty highly. Uh, he, I think he almost went to Alabama. Uh, so I think he was the same class as Josh Jacobs, actually. Um, they almost both went to Alabama, but he ended up going elsewhere. Uh, so, that would have been interesting to see what happened if he he would have probably just gotten buried and never done anything at Alabama. But man, he probably shouldn't have done any of those camps. <laughs> it sounds like he might just be one of those guys that abstains from the from the forty this year, uh, unless he can uh, be faster than Elijah Holyfield. He's gonna have that hamstring pull after uh, medical checks. Yeah, yeah, be wise to do so, I guess. What what are your thoughts on guys like Zach Moss and Keyshawn Vaughn? Are 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 they? Do you think that they could find themselves anyway in, in you know creeping into like a top five for people, depending on how well they test? Yeah, I think they already are for some, uh, especially like the the people that ascribe to and follow uh, Pro Football Focus and what they've done because Zach Moss is breaking more tackles than anybody in college football, uh, and really it, from whatever film grades you want to give him. I mean, it's, it's really hard to put him outside the top five or six uh, just from a um, – if you're a film grinder, if you love the broken tackles and what he does inside the tackles, and he actually can catch, uh, he, and he was productive for a full three years. Uh, so, I mean, when you look at his profile, there's, there's not a whole lot of holes uh, going on there. Uh, but I think for me, he, he's not going to test well athletically. And you were talking about high school athletic testing. I think his his forty was around like a four seven ish or something like that. So he's he's probably going to be one of those guys that, that abstains from probably the agility tests and the forty. He'll probably do the the jumps because he, he can he can he has the strength, uh, and so he'll probably do the broad and he'll probably do the vert and he'll probably test like the sixtieth percentile there just to be like check check for a couple people. But uh, he's going to have to sneak into day three probably for me to be super interested. But I think some people are, are catching on realizing, oh, wow, this guy was really productive. He just played in the Pac-12, and I never saw him play because I was like asleep by the time the game started. But <laughs> that's just kind of how the, the Pac-12 backs generally go. But uh, Zach Moss is, is somebody I definitely like. Keyshawn Vaughn, um, I think he's probably – he's really old. Uh, he's actually, um, I think, uh, just about the same age as Carrion Johnson. Um, had kind of a weird career path. Uh, went. He's actually from, I think, the Tennessee area. Went to high school here locally. Uh, went off to Illinois. Kind of broke out a little bit as a freshman, uh, but then uh, kind of took a weird path and had to take a year off. And then played at Vandy for a while. It just some some bad programs really kind of wasted uh, what seems to be a really impressive talent. Uh, and he was the only guy doing anything against the toughest SEC teams for for all all of his time here at Vandy on the on the offense. So. I, I think he does a lot of things well, and I think he's going to earn probably round four draft capital. Um, but if he get, if he you know pulls a singletary and sneaks into round three he, again, he's somebody that's going to fly up uh, draft boards for a lot of people. Yeah, Vaughn, I I have currently right outside that that top five that we talked about earlier. I really like his game uh, all around. Like, there's nothing that I don't think that he does great, but he does everything well enough. Um, and then if you just kind of want to get an idea of how bad that offense was this year, I think Vaughn had less than 300 yards receiving, and he was the third highest uh, receiving total <laughs> on that team. And I think what um, Lipscomb had like less than like 600 receiving yards or something. It, it was bad. I mean, they, they averaged like 170 passing yards per game in college. 
Like Vandy was averaging 170 passing yards per game. Like that's just brutal. It's like they, they just couldn't even do anything on offense. They were cycling through basically four different uh, quarterbacks, and and it was just a joke uh, of an offense. So, so I mean, I went to the uh, LSU Vandy game this year, and it was just hilarious just trying to see uh, this this Vandy offense do anything. And L- it was almost like LSU was just like whatever, just score points. We want to kind of pad our stats, do your thing. It's it's fine. But in all reality, they, they were actually playing tough uh, to, to start the game. And still in that game against LSU, the national championship team, LSU, he put up 130 rushing yards and two scores. Uh, so, And that's not just junk time stuff. Like Keyshawn Vaughn was the only thing going for that offense. Uh, and so he, he, can, he can do it against the toughest competition. Um, I think he's already proven that. Now, he just really probably needs a strong combine to kind of separate himself and insert himself into the conversation for that top five, top six, top seven, kind of lock it in there. Oh, I remember. he uh, He's the reason that uh, you guys beat Mizzou. Uh, uh, there was a, Absolutely. Uh, I was, very, I was very there upset. at that game, like, too. How are we losing to this team? And I think that, that really was like our downfall. That was uh, you guys got Barry Odom fired. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. And uh, You're it was welcome. Kind of the start of that. But yeah, Keyshawn Vaughn was the... Uh, was the only guy doing anything in that game because he ended up with like 30 carries, 96 yards. And he also had, I think he had like 70 or 80 receiving yards, scored a couple touchdowns. Yeah. So yeah, he had yeah. like 170, 180 uh, total yards that game. And I, you know, it's funny. I, I took my, so the reason why I go to Vandy games is I live in the Nashville area. My wife works at Vandy. And so we get season tickets for dirt cheap one because it's Vandy and two, because my wife works there. So we got, I mean, we got like sweet seats right on the 50, I, I, I bring my grandpa into town. He's never been to a Mizzou game. He's been a Mizzou fan his whole life. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. He, they're going to come in and they're just going to mop the floor with Vandy and he's going to get to see this great <laughs> victory. And then they lose to Vanderbilt. Just, I was like, ah, oh, just so sad for my grandpa. You know, it was fun to hang out, but man, that was, that was a rough game. That is the life of a Missouri fan. We are always, <laughs> well, I didn't matter what hey, sport, basketball, same thing. You know, just uh, just broken hearts all over the place. You know, hey, you got Sean Robinson this year. He could do something. Yeah, it's probably won't though, just because it's Mizzou. I am interested to see how the new coach does. Um, he's kind of an unknown a little bit, uh, so I'm kind of interested to see how that works out. But I don't have a lot of faith. I mean, I wasn't a big Barry Odom guy, um, so I was yeah. not uh, sad to see him go. It's gonna be interesting. I think he went to Arkansas. I think he's gonna be their de- uh, defensive coordinator, I believe. So. Hmm. We will be seeing him again, but uh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's probably enough on, on on the rambling about the the great state of Kansas, as our president would call it. But uh, that is true. That is. <laughs> <laughs> there are people coming out with all uh, all kinds of stuff. I've seen like make uh, make like, there's shirts. Like, yeah, shirts, and then someone put out a, like a make uh, Missouri or make uh, Missouri make Kansas, Kansas again or something like that. I can't remember what it said, but <laughs> make Missouri Kansas again. Is that? <laughs> Yeah, something like that. I can't remember what it was, but oh, yeah, man. that was that was great. Anyways, what are we at? Almost, yeah. Okay, so we're going to try to do our best here to get through this because uh, we don't want to go over an hour. So um, I think, you know, I think we kind of hit on most of these guys. Is there anybody else kind of uh, in this range of, uh, of guys that we haven't really hit on that, uh, that you want to talk about? Yeah, so, yeah, you know, Benjamin is definitely firmly in the com- conversation just because he's been one of the most productive backs Um for, for a couple of years now. He obviously had the explosion in his second year of action. Again, like a 1,600-yard uh, season, but efficiency kind of didn't show up this year. 
uh, with some offensive changes that, you know, different weapons going on uh, for him. Didn't see the same success. And then he weighed in like super scrawny at the senior bowl and he's trying to get faster for his 40. And he's also just not a super athletic guy. So uh, things are going to have to look a little bit different uh, at the combine. We're going to have to see a little bit better buzz and and see that weight gain back at some point, probably for him, uh, if he's going to be uh, in the day two conversation, because I think he's working his way out of it. Um, but if you're looking for like absolute crazy out of nowhere sleepers to kind of climb up into this conversation, I, I don't think Darius Anderson's going to be drafted very high, but he's going to kill the combine. I think he's going to be like a 90th percentile at everything uh, from TCU. Uh, DJ Dallas is kind of another one of those guys that does a lot of things well, but does nothing perfectly. But he's got enough enough size to kind of be a, a hoss in between the tackles and the speed to to win once he gets to the edge. Anthony McFarland is way too small, but there are some people that really like him uh, from Maryland. He was kind of a, a hot Debbie name there uh, for a little bit. Uh, so keep an eye on, on him. I, I'd be interested to see what he does at the combine because he could be really, really fast. He could be that guy that runs a 4-4 flat like Justice Hill last year and you know, slides all the way up to round four. Uh, but then the, the the pair of Memphis backs uh, are really intriguing because they've got some crazy size. Um, Antonio Gibson and uh, Patrick Taylor Jr. Uh, Antonio Gibson, uh, he could have been a wide receiver or, or a running back, uh, really, in this class. Not super productive for a long time, but, you know, he's like six foot six one, two twenty five, 225, like super thick feature back size, and he's going to be fast. He's going to be real fast. He's going to be like four or five flat at feature back size. And then Patrick Taylor, who was just absolutely robbed of his final season uh, due to injury was supposed to be this, you know, this 25 touchdown 2000 yard back this year, but missed most of the year. Um, He's really, really talented. He kind of got overshadowed by Daryl Henderson when they were both at uh, Memphis, but he was already a 20 touchdown guy, 1100 yard, 1200 yard guy with Daryl Henderson on his team. So that tandem of, of Memphis backs, either one, could be drafted and could, and could wow at the combine and sneak up into you know round four or five conversation. So lots lots of names there to uh, kind of sift through, uh, but uh, there's there's just a lot of interesting guys that could see their stocks uh, soar here soon. Another name I'll throw in the mix there, uh, Savon Ahmed out of Washington. He's going to be another guy. Uh, I think he had a he was timed twice in the forty at a four three two. On two separate occasions, I think when he was going into college, and then last year at the uh, at the Husky Combine, so he's he's another guy who could who could jump up, or if he lands in a place like you know San Fran, once that uh, death chart kind of shakes out over the over the next couple of months, he could be someone who would be who'd be fun in San Francisco with Shani. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and he's just like if he was in in any other class, I think he would be higher for sure. Uh, but I just I wonder if he kind of gets Miles Gaskin should have been by by all by I mean, anybody's projection Miles Gaskin should have tested athletically and Miles Gaskin uh, you know former Washington Husky he should have been drafted higher he had like a bunch of seasons that when he was productive but uh, I wonder if if Ahmed's going to be uh, you know as fast as uh, advertised I, I really he he needs to prove it uh, for for a lot of reasons but uh, he's kind of like on on the fringe right now, I think for a lot of people, uh, if he tests well, he he's instantly inserted into that round three rookie draft conversation probably. But right now he's on the outside looking into even being drafted probably in rookie drafts uh, as of today. 
uh, don't you think, Cody? Yeah, I mean, he didn't. He had the chance to to really take over this year with Gaskin uh, heading to the NFL, and he. I mean, I think he left a, a lot of guys disappointed. But this, whenever you're looking at those kind of late round dart throws, you're kind of looking for speed or a boatload of catches or you know i mean something like that so um that was just something i noticed whenever i was looking over ahmed stuff it was at the opening and then at the the husky combine he apparently clocked in at a four three two on uh on both occasions so hopefully he wows and um uh i'd love to see his stock soar because he actually did have an okay season this year but it just was overshadowed by uh washington's kind of uh, medi- mediocre, no, mediocrity, I guess. Uh, just uh, overall, they were like eight and five. They weren't the whole playoff contenders that they were a couple years ago. So people kind of forgot about him. And again, he's a uh, Pac 12 back, and nobody watches those games because they start at like 11. But uh, lots of backs to be excited about this year. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think this year's class is going to be pretty interesting. It's, it's a shame that some of the guys uh, decided to go back to school and kind of water it down a little, but uh, it'll be interesting. Do you think? So every year there's kind of that um, just a, a position that I think everyone's most excited about. What position do you think that is this year? You think it's the wide receiver position, or do you think it's more of the running backs? I think it's uh, for like real draft people. I think it's wide receivers. It's turned into to wide receivers uh, just because looking at the the top of the class has a lot of fun names. Uh, but then I mean, really, when you stretch it out, and even when you you know hear little blurbs from people like Todd McShay and uh, other big names. They're kind of like, man, I, I could cram twenty wide receivers into day day two, like day one and two, and it's, and it's so there's a lot of depth there, a lot of guys that check a lot of boxes from a production standpoint, and uh, answer a lot of questions that uh, the, the kind of film based analysis people want to see too. So, I mean, when I'm when I'm looking at it, I'm I'm working on a um, top one hundred uh, rookies piece that includes IDP right now, uh, and, uh, and and there's like thirty two wide receivers that I could legit be excited about depending on what happens on draft day so <laughs> there's a lot to to kind of sift through there it's kind of an ocean of information a wide receiver whereas I, I really am pumped about three backs and there's like three or four others that are maybes and then one other guy will probably insert his name into that hat and that into that hat as well but there's 20 guys probably at wide receiver that are intriguing uh even after draft day which is a, a bit of a breath of fresh air because the last few years haven't been as enticing in terms of the at least the the pre-draft and the the draft. Now uh, this year was actually you know I think one of the better years we've seen for rookie wide receivers. Um, you know Debo Samuel, AJ Brown, uh, Terry McLaurin, and you know some of the other guys that really McCole Hardman. Um, I think this this year's class could end up being uh, a lot of fun. You know in the years to come, so it'll be yeah. interesting to see how everything else shakes out. Travis, are you uh, are you Team Judy or Team Lamb? I don't know if I've I've heard you talk about this yet. I'm Team Lamb in that in that regard. Um, just because, well, there's there's a few different reasons, but yeah, I, I am I'm Team Lamb. He basically how he kind of fixed his production profile with with no Hollywood there, uh, and just his peak and final season numbers and what he's probably going to do at the combine and where he's going to get the, the draft capital, just like Judy. Uh, but he, he really does run routes. Well, I think people call Judy like the best route runner ever, uh, just because uh, he can like break his knees and like do a backflip and then just run a curl and then turn it into, I, he, he's just a, a freaking magician when it comes to routes. Like I get it. Uh, I get the intrigue with, with Judy. Uh, but I think uh, I'm thinking like his, 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 uh, his BMI is, 
possibly going to be an issue for uh, where he, he actually probably drops down. He's probably not even a top 10, not top 15 wide receiver selection, but more like, you know, what happened with Calvin Ridley dropping down and, and getting passed by Lamb. Uh, Lamb is probably going to be the, this year's DJ Moore to Calvin Ridley uh, situation, and, and Lamb's probably going to end up with more ca- more capital uh, on draft day uh, than even Judy. But um, they're very close uh, in, in the same realm for sure. All right. Well, I think we've kind of hit on everybody. You know, we'll obviously be doing this again uh, post-combine, post-pre-draft, you know, pre-draft, um, once we have far more information and uh, kind of more things to go off of. But we thought this would be a fun exercise. Yeah. Excuse me. To kind of go over, kind of get things the ball rolling, kind of start looking at some of these guys. If you've been uh, uh, worrying about other things and kind of starting to get this process going, because this is a, a exciting time of the year of looking into the draft prospects and everything else, you know, pre combine, and then you know everything goes crazy after that. So, um, Travis, I really appreciate you having you on. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find all your stuff? You know, maybe a little bit about the draft guide sure. and stuff like that. Yeah. So you can find me uh, on Twitter at ff underscore travis m. Uh, you can find uh, most of my writing uh, work at Rotoviz. I do some Titan stuff closer to the season as well uh, with uh, Music City Miracles uh, from time to time, and that's that's been a blast. Um, and then, of course, the Dynasty Command Center podcast. Check that out wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find it on the uh, Rotoviz radio feed uh, amid a bunch of other great shows. But we've got a, uh, a rookie guide uh, that just released. Uh, there'll be three additions to that uh, we got the pre-combine that uh, just came out and we'll have a post-combine that drops most likely the, the wednesday right after the combine with a bunch of new content and then post-draft uh, will be the final issue uh, lots of work goes into that uh, we've got some of the best graphics guys in this industry just working on that making it look good uh, and so just appreciate the whole team that that puts that together uh, but it's been a blast uh, kind of working uh, on that with the guys but yeah so you can find that on, on rotoviz.com as well uh, there's actually a whole dedicated page to the the 2020 rookie guide tons of fun information and metrics and just new ways to look at uh, prospect analysis that um, i'm sure you guys would appreciate but uh, appreciate you uh, letting me plug my stuff <laughs> and uh, letting me uh, come on and join and just great to talk with you guys again it's been a bit but uh, just glad to be here. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, you are uh, TFA OG for sure. Uh, been around, mm-hmm. uh, you know. I think a lot of people still miss the old Dynasty Live podcast. You and Justin and uh, Andrew Frechette. Uh That was one of the, uh, you know, that was you know. I'm not a big Dynasty guy. You know, we've we've talked about this on other podcasts. I'm more of a uh, redraft DFS guy, but um, I respect mm-hmm. the hustle of uh, the grind of the Dynasty people. Um, I, I thought it would be fun to do some podcasts sometime about Dynasty where I, me as a non-Dynasty guy, you guys can tell me why Dynasty is good and try to sell it to me because um, I don't, you know, I don't hate it. I think some people take it, uh, uh, you know, a little bit too far with some of the things or whatever, but you know, uh, like people are just always obsessed with trading and never wanting to like, feels like people don't want to win um, sometimes. <laughs> they, just, they want their roster to look good though. Yeah. They want to, they want the trade bull, like the, the trade polls on Twitter to like just, be 80% to 20% in their favor. And so they're just always making deals, but no, it's, it's a different life. I understand that the, the dynasty life isn't for, isn't for everybody. And you know what? I, I'm getting there with the DFS stuff, man, this year with NFL. And I, I was writing a column for college, college football DFS every single week this year. And that was a blast, like putting together, you know, like a thousand different players into my model and just cranking it out. It was a lot of fun. So 
I'm, I'm leaning in, in your direction a little bit more, Kevin. Yes, yes. You know what? I'm ashamed of myself, though, is because like I'm so like so with NFL DFS, I'm so like narrow-minded whenever the NFL season's going on, because they because they actually opened up college college uh, sports and DFS in Missouri, so I actually could have played nice. it. And I didn't play at all. Well, because I have uh, like it's you're so much of a grind for the NFL and getting prepared for that for Sunday, but I really want to get into it more. I am actually playing NASCAR uh, this weekend, <laughs> so NASCAR season is back. Oh yeah, because it's freaking Daytona. Like like real soon, right? Like it's yeah, it's coming up week, in uh, the Clash is this weekend, and which is like a little primer to the Daytona 500. And the next weekend is the 500. But I'm yeah. telling you, the Daytona 500 is is kind of it's not easy money, but like the the strategy with it, Dude, is, everybody is, plays too probably that week. Yeah, because you know? there's so many fish, and people don't know what they're doing, and people just want to jump on and play. But like yeah. with the Daytona 500, like just easy easy tip is just play everybody from the back because there's so many wrecks in the 500 that you just play a guy that you would never think about playing and like, right, well hey look leave, give like, me a pool and i'll play yeah just, all right like, just give me a pool like I'll, I'll help you out with the, with, with the college fit football season i promise yeah well <laughs> we'll make it happen so yeah but anyways um again i i really appreciate having you on and uh <laughs> It's it's always a lot of fun catching up with you, uh, catching up with you, and uh, following everything you're doing. Uh, you've you've been crushing it since day one, and um, so uh, we appreciate all you having on. We'll maybe have to get you on again sometime. Maybe the next time we'll talk about tight ends because uh, you know you seem to love tight the tight end position more than most. Yeah, I, I love tight ends. Just all, all tight ends. <laughs> I know, I'm just but saying. no. There's there are like probably eleven guys I, I could I could get excited about that that position like right now. So. Albert O, uh, baby. Albert O. It's the only thing we Albert got going on. Albert that like five times fast. I no, mean, that. Don't do and I don't even know if Kel Garrett actually is actually going to get drafted. I don't know before because he got hurt. But uh, he was a pre, I think it was a preseason All-American or All-SEC, something like that, I think. So anyway, regardless, I can talk about Missouri Man. all the time. <laughs> Let's not, though. Let's yeah, not do it. Yeah, right. I mean, they're, they're terrible. They fuck. They're, yeah. they're terrible. So anyways. Uh, and this is how we end up with two-hour podcasts. I'm trying to hurry it up. We've okay. only been we've only been just talking nonsense for like seven minutes. Leave us leave us be, Cody. Come on, <laughs> give us our seven minutes. I know. People, Fine. People enjoy you know the Missouri talk. That's that's what they needed. So yeah, podcast. there's like three of them. So like, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, you got to hold it down. You got to <laughs> hold the fort down. Uh, you know, so it's tough times here. So we uh, we're a brotherhood, and we just uh, you know we all you know start uh, a support group for each other. So yeah. Anyways. All right, so let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. So I appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll be back, I believe, next week. We're going to have Elliot Christ on to talk about the wide receivers. Um, and then, I don't know, we'll, uh, but we'll keep this going. Then we'll talk about quarterbacks, tight ends, and then we'll roll into some free agency talk because uh, free agency should be starting by then. And so, yeah, this is all going to, uh, you know, go pretty quick. But uh, we got a lot of fun stuff planned, and you can check out the YouTube channel. We'll be breaking all this stuff down to a much shorter and easier to digest version as well over on the youtube so, uh, so hit us up over there subscribe and we really appreciate it um and until next week we will talk to you then peace this album is dedicated to all the teachers that told me i never amount to nothing to all the people that lived above the buildings that i was hustling from that called the police on me when i was just trying to make some money to feed my daughter and all the niggas in the struggle you know what i'm saying <laughs> It's all good, baby, baby. Uh. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Something pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. Hanging pictures on my wall. 
Every Saturday, rap attack, Mr. Magic, Molly Mall. I let my tape rock till my tape pop. Smoking weed and bamboo, sipping on private stock. Way back when I had the red and black lumberjack with the hat to match. Remember rapping Duke? The hard, the hard. You never thought that hip hop would take it this far. Now I'm in the limelight, cause I rhyme tight. Time to get paid, blow up like the world trade. Born sinner, the opposite of a winner. Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner? Peace to Raw G, Brucey B, Kick Capri. Funk Master Flex, Love Bug Star Ski. I'm blowing up like you thought I would. Call a crib, same number, same hood. It's all good. Uh. And if you don't know, now you know, nigga. Uh. Credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.